0: And so last week, we talked about the fact uh, that Pastor wanted me to mention and talk about different types of prayer that we can see in Scripture that Jesus, uh, Paul talked about, uh, and the disciples talked about. And in that, in the Scriptures, we can see uh, what we have labeled and communicated as different types of prayer. Let's go to our Scripture today in Ephesians chapter 6. And verse 18, we read this last week and we stated praying always with all prayer. Say all prayer. With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And we said that one translation reads all prayer as all manner of prayer. So recognizing that there are different types of prayer. All right? And so, prayer, what we've done is we've just uh, you know, just taken prayer and made it one thing that when we're in a problem or we're in a situation, uh, usually when we've done all and nothing else is working, uh, and we're confronted with a bad circumstance or a bad situation, that's the time we go to pray. When that was never meant to be, uh, the time we go to pray was never meant to be the focus of our prayer life. The focus of our prayer life was supposed to be building that relationship and communion with our Father who loves us and has a plan for us and has things, interest for us and does, as a Father, want to take care of every single need in our life. Everything that's going on in our life, the Father is concerned about and wants to take care of. Amen. Because he is a good, good father. He's a good, good father. And a lot of times we are in situations in life because we have not been taking that time every day to just talk to him about things, Uh, you know, and then we could have uh, alleviated many of our problems and many of our troubles if we would have just consulted the Lord about them in the first place. So a lot of what we see in our life, the troubles and the circumstances is simply is a lack of the times that you've gone without talking with the Lord. And you got yourself in a mess because you didn't get your direction from Him in the first place. Right. And so He tells us here, praying always with all manner of prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And so last week we covered one of the number one uh, types of prayer that there are, uh, or that there is, is praying in the Spirit. And so many people pray in our culture today, but not everybody prays in the Spirit, And you don't pray in the Spirit if you've never been filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And we talked about that last week. And so this is imperative uh, as well for your prayer life because we read last week that in Romans chapter 8, when we don't know how we ought to pray, we can move over into the Spirit and begin to pray in the Spirit. And the Spirit himself makes what? intercession, intercession. So I hear all the time, people tell me, well, I just don't know how to pray about that. Or I just don't know what to do about that situation. Or I just don't know where I'm going in life. And I would, like I said, would love to say, well, then go and pray in the spirit. But so many people still have not received this gift that God said was For us. It was the promise that he wanted every believer to have. Amen. And so it's time for some people that have been stuck in some situations. Uh, you know, it's time for some people to go and go ahead and just, uh, go and receive the gift of the Holy spirit, because this is going to help you get on over into another place. You're going to see breakthrough here. Right, Because he tells us when we don't know how we ought to pray, uh, when we pray and the Spirit makes intercession for us, then we can pray out the perfect will of God. The perfect will of God. Amen. And that's what we want to do. We want to know the will of God in whatever situation is happening in our life, don't we? We want to know the will of God. And so uh, we saw that the greatest intercessor is Jesus himself. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession on the behalf of all those that are lost? No. Wouldn't you think that Jesus would be praying for the loss of anybody, that he would be interceding for the lost? No, he says he's interceding on the behalf of the saints because he knows that he needs the saints to go and do the work. He's interceding and it's the spirit of intercession that then is on the inside of every believer and the two have to be connected for us to hear from Jesus what the Holy Spirit is saying so that we can bring heaven to earth. Remember Matthew, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are here to get the will of the Father done in the earth. And we are his hands, we are his feet, we are his body. He is sitting on the throne and can do nothing for humanity unless his man moves and yields to him and his will in the earth. Amen. And so we must be conversating with the Lord every day. I know I'm not supposed to use that word. It's not conversating. It's conversing. But I've said it for years. So we should be conversing with the Lord every single day. Because we want his will done in our life, through our life, right? So that we can see people's lives changed for the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but the Holy Spirit encouraged us during prayer in corporate prayer this morning that he is still on the throne. When you look around at the world and the culture, it seems like he ain't on the throne anymore. Come on. Because people seem crazy. I like to say they act like they're taking crazy pills. (laughs) Uh, But know when you trust God and know that he's on the throne, then he's going to communicate exactly what you need to navigate in this culture that we're living in today. But it's going to take you talking with him every day. Amen. So the first type of prayer uh, that I want to talk about this morning is, the prayer of intercession and supplication. And the reason I want to talk about this heavily is because, in the church world and especially in uh, certain denominations, uh, now I've been in, uh, in the ministry for over 20 years, that I've seen uh, people come and go and I always talk about how they have a gift of intercession. A ministry gift of intercession or spiritual warfare. Nowhere in Scripture does it say anywhere that there is a special gift of ministry of intercession. Nowhere in Scripture from Genesis to Revelations does it say that there is a special gift. Some people think, and I've heard, and they want to come up to me and let me know they have a special gift of intercession... Uh, And I have the honor and privilege of leading corporate prayer on Sunday mornings. And then I say, wonderful, then why don't you come to corporate prayer? But it seems as if no one that ever says that ever wants to come to corporate prayer. So I want to make that perfectly clear that that is a, a false doctrine, so to speak, or whatever you want to call it, because there's no special gift of that every single believer ought to be a person of intercession. Jesus, if he is our uh, model and we are to be Christ-like, if that is his ministry that he is doing right now, and we know the Spirit, the Holy Spirit also uh, is interceding and has intercession, then guess what every believer can flow and operate in and should? Intercession. But religion and the church world has made intercession a difficult, hard, uh, you know, scary thing. And goofy thing. When we see in Scripture that what, in the word, what intercession really means is, it, it means that you are making an entreaty for someone else. You are standing in the gap, so to speak, for someone else's life, and every believer has a responsibility that they should be interceding for someone you know that is lost. We have all been given the ministry of reconciliation. That's a true ministry. And that ministry is helping God reconcile man to him. And so every one of us should be interceding on the behalf of someone uh, that is lost. This is how they're going to get into the kingdom of God. I said last week no man's going to get into the kingdom of God unless we as men pray for them. We have a responsibility for the lost that if we want to see them born again that we have to pray that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened we have to pray that laborers will go across their path and that the veil of darkness can be removed so that they could see the light of the gospel it's our responsibility So the reason why so many people we're seeing aren't even getting saved or into the kingdom of God is because Christians just simply are not praying for the lost. They think it's the pastor's job. No, every single person should be interceding. Right? For people that you know that are not believers. Amen. So... Uh, It is to make an entreaty entreaty for another, Um, and it means to stand in the gap, and then also uh, you've heard this statement, uh, and I want to explain this, that when you are in a place of prayer, when you feel like you need to intercede for someone, sometimes you'll feel like a burden to pray. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes on the inside, you just feel like, I need to pray. That is intercession. Uh, because what, he's, what that means, intercession, means it will fall upon you. And so we've labeled it, you know, I just feel like I have a burden to pray for somebody or something, and you don't understand it. That's intercession. That means the Holy Spirit is, is prompting you to go pray. Right? or it also means to fall upon. So sometimes it'll just feel like, man, it just falls upon you and you just need to go and you need to pray. This is what we call intercession. There's nothing weird or funny about it, right? It's just this burden on the inside that you need to pray. Has anyone ever experienced that? Lift your hand, I'm teaching here. All right. Remember, the disciples told the Lord, "Teach us to pray," and prayer has to be taught. Right, right. Listen, the disciples went all over the you know went all over with Jesus, seeing great miracles, seeing great things take place in front of their eyes. But as I said, they made the connection that they saw the power. Because they saw him go and pray. And they didn't want to know about the power or how he did lay hands on the sick or get this demon out of this person. No, they looked at him and said, teach us to pray because I recognize when you go up to the mountain, come on, and pray, the very next day, you're casting out demons. Come on. You're uh, healing the sick. So... Is something that has to be taught. And one way for you to be taught how to pray is to come to corporate prayer. Amen. Amen. Come to corporate prayer. And I guarantee you, your prayer life will go to a whole nother level. It'll go to a whole nother level. So what does supplication mean? Remember here in Ephesians 6.18, it says praying always with all prayer and supplication. What does supplication mean? Supplication uh, simply means uh, that you are making an a treaty with fervency or heartfelt fervency on the behalf uh, for someone's salvation, for something going on in someone's life. So supplication is not intercession. It kind of goes hand in hand, but supplication is, listen, there's fervency behind it. There's urgency behind it. Uh, and I mean, it's stirring that I've, I have to go right now and I have to pray. I have to stop and I have to pray. Because there's a fervency there, uh, you know, on the behalf of it could be for someone's salvation, it could be for someone's healing, uh, you know, it could be for some catastrophic situation that may be happening. uh, But God needs you to pray uh, and supplicate on the behalf of someone else. Now let's look at uh, James. In James chapter 5 and verse 13 through 18, it says, are any of you suffering hardships? People are going through some problems and it's believers and we shouldn't be. Are any of you suffering hardships? What does he tell us to do? You should pray. But it seems like it's the last thing people are doing is praying when they're going through a problem they don't want to go and pray. All right. And he says, listen, you should pray. Are any of you happy? Then you should sing praises. Are any of you sick? Then you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you can be forgiven. Confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another so that you would be healed. Well, here we go. The earnest prayer of a righteous person makes great power and produces wonderful results. All right? The prayer, the earnest prayer, heartfelt prayer, one translation. Fervency in your prayer makes great power available. So this is a type of supplication. There's fervency there. It's heartfelt. I mean, there is, I mean, a passion there that you are in a place of prayer and that you're going to see your breakthrough. Right? So you're going to go to that place of prayer. And what happens? It produces power and wonderful results. Are we having wonderful results in our lives as believers? Remember, our pastor's motto is we are not going to be just a church that prays because all religions pray. People are praying every day, but there's no results happening in people's lives. And we want to be a church that prays, right, and has learned how to receive results, yeah. wonderful results. Yeah. Are we seeing wonderful results through our prayer life? Because we know how to go to the throne. Because we know how to pray. Because we know how to talk to our Father. Come on. Because we know how to intercede. Because we know how to supplicate. Because we know our authority in Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And so he says, Elijah was a human just as we are. Say, I'm a human, human. and Elijah was a human. human. So let me say this, this is not impossible. If Elijah was a human, this is why James is saying that. If Elijah was a man in the earth and could stop the rain, he's letting us know, then you can stop the rain. Does it seem like, the Holy Ghost said this in first service, does it seem like all hell has broken out over your life? Then you need to learn how to have hell freeze over in your life. Because if he can call the rain and then he can stop the rain, then you can stop hell uh, going on in your life. Because you've been given that authority. But it's a righteous man prayer. So that means we have to be right with God. We have to be in a right position under God. We have to be submitted to Him. We have to be submitted to His Word. We have to be doing and living the way that He says we should be living and what we should be doing. We should be in the perfect will of God for our life, doing the purpose of God for our life. And then when we pray, we will see results like Elijah who was a man. Amen. So he said, then he prayed, he earnestly prayed that the rain would uh, fall, and none fell for three and a half years. And then, when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth bring it, bring, uh, brought forth a yield of his crop. Do you need a crop to come forth in your life? then maybe you need to get into a place of earnest, heartfelt prayer before the Lord. Amen. And start seeking Him and talking with Him about things that are going on in your life so that you can see a different result. Because what is the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. If we are not praying, then we are just doing the same thing over and over in our life. And we think God's in control and he's going to change our situation. It isn't going to happen. It's not going to happen. If we want change, then guess what we have to do? We have to change. And that change is that we need to start talking to God. And a lot of people don't want to talk to God because uh, even believers don't want to submit to what he's saying to do. They don't want to submit to what he's saying to do. Hey, I've been there. There's times I I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to pray because I knew the cost. That when I went into the prayer closet, I knew what I was going to hear. The same thing I heard before, and I didn't want to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Until finally, I did another type of prayer that we talked about and we're going to talk about is the prayer of consecration. Where I had to end up saying, not my will, but your will be done. see. Hallelujah. 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 So let's, let's uh, move on. Ezekiel, Ezekiel uh, said this. I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on the behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. This is another a example of the authority that he has given man in the earth, and it's an example of what intercession is. I looked for a man to stand in the gap for the land, and I could find none. So, this is why people who have learned how to yield to prayer think they have a special gifting of intercession uh only simply because no one else is praying and they seem to always just yield to the promptings and they've come proficient in yielding to uh praying and interceding and standing in the gap. But every one of us should be yielding and interceding and standing in the gap for the land. Yes. Amen. Amen. But he could find none. Let's say we're not, it's not going to be on our watch. It's not going to be on our watch. And if there's ever a day that our land needs God, it is today. It is today. And this is thus why God has, uh, his mouthpiece, our pastor prompting us to get stirred up in our prayer because he needs us today to stand in the gap. So that we don't see another generation destroyed. Amen. And so let's move on. Let's look at another type of prayer. Uh, And I mentioned this. The next type of prayer that we can see in scripture is, is what we've called the prayer of petition or consecration. And the prayer of petition is simply... Uh, us asking God to do something when you are asking or are making up, you're requesting making a petition is a request. It's an entreaty. You're asking. And, and so many times I've taught prayer and people say, well, how come the scripture says, well, he already knows what we have need of. Uh, if he already knows what we have need of, how come we have to ask? How come we have to petition him? It's because it shows your submission to him and that he is your Lord and that you are submitted to going to him and asking of him because he's your father. But see, when people have pride in their life, they don't want to go and ask for help for anything. And even when it comes to, God says, listen, I've already made a way. I've already, uh, has, have this promise for you. I already have this provision for you. And I've already opened the door here for you to be able to come boldly before the throne of grace. But if you don't ask me, it's on you because you're too prideful to submit to me and say that you need me and you need my help. So asking of the father is really supposed to be the most things that most believers are, are doing in their times of prayer. We're, we're, we should be constantly talking to the father, asking the father, father, I thank you. You know, I see that you have this, uh, you know, promise for me. So I'm asking you right to provide that provision of healing for me. Or whatever the case may be. You said in your word that if I was to give, that it would be given back to me. Come on. Good measure, shaken together and running over, that men would give unto my bosom. So I thank you, Father, uh, that you are speaking to men to give to me. Because I'm a giver. Right? So you're just petitioning him. You're asking him. You're talking to him. But you're doing it in faith. When we come to the Father, we are to come to Him in faith. Amen. In faith, a position of faith, not doubting, not questioning. Your earthly fathers, you may have had to have questioned because they didn't live up to their word in your life. Your earthly fathers may have abandoned you and may have, uh, you know, not provided for you, but our heavenly Father said he would never leave you, He will never forsake you, He will never uh, leave you begging for bread. He did not uh, say that he would not abandon you, right? But if you don't trust him as your father, you won't go to him and ask anything of him and make a petition. right? We can find this in Matthew 21:22. Whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Have faith that you'll receive it. You Have faith, you'll receive it. Mark 11, 22 through 25. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be not, uh, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in your heart. Prayer is in a place of faith, not doubt. You cannot doubt in your heart, but you should be a person that believes that those things he says will be done. God is not a God that he should lie. He doesn't lie. What he says he'll do, he'll do. What he says he'll do, he'll do. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, When you pray, believe that you've received them and you'll have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, here's that position of righteousness. Everybody forgets about this last verse, and I love to be the one to bring it to people's attention. (laughs) If you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you. If you have unforgiveness, I don't care how many times you ask of the father, he will not give to you. He will not answer your prayer because you have aught with your brother or unforgiveness in your heart. So many people are discouraged because they're saying, oh, I'm praying, I'm asking, but I'm not seeing a result. Well, there's many hindrances to prayer, and this is one of them say many hindrances to prayer. And maybe one day soon I'll be able to teach on that. We don't have time for that. But there's, so, you know, there's a lot of things happening in people's lives and has, goes all the way back to the heart. All the way back to the heart. If your heart isn't right, it don't matter you pray till you're blue in the face. Until you get righteous and do what the scripture says and go to your brother before you come to the altar, you're still going to be in the same place. And the Holy Spirit's still going to remind you of that place because that's how good He is. Like I said, there was times I didn't want to go to prayer because the last time I went to the prayer, uh, He was letting me know what I needed to do. And I wasn't willing to do it. So I cut my conversation off for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. And guess what? It was right there when I went back. Not a new conversation about how wonderful he is and he wants to do this great and mighty plan. No, right back to the right place. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful to learn about prayer? It's so wonderful because he so wants to help you in all of your problems and deliver you out of all of your troubles. Deliver you out of all of your troubles. I guess they heard me talking about rain. Another uh, thing I want to give you the definition of consecration. Consecration has to do with submission. Submission. the prayer of consecration has to do with submission and doing what the word says and doing what the Lord has said to do. Right? Uh, you know, and so we have to make a decision. Am I going to do my plan for my life or am I going to do his will for my life? And if I'm going to do his will for my life, I have to submit to that will and submit to that plan and to submit to that way of doing it. And then I have to consecrate myself to do it. And let me tell you this, there'll be multiple times that you have to re-consecrate yourself in the midst of doing it. No, I said I was going to do it for the Lord. So bless God, I don't care uh, what's going on. I'm going to do it. I don't care how hard it seems. I don't care if there's no money in the bank, if he told me to do it, if he told me to give it, if he told me to whatever. I'm gonna consecrate myself, dedicate myself, and submit myself like my Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is where we see a type of the prayer of consecration in Luke 22, 39 through 44. It says, then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as his usual to the Mount of Olives. As his usual. I like that. I never caught that until now. Not until now, but when I was studying early. As his usual. This was his usual cool of the day moment, right? As I talked about last week, where is that cool of the day? Where's your cool of the day? Where's your place that you meet with God? That it just seems like you guys converse. Here we see Jesus, one of his places was, we know was in the mountains, was we know uh, that was as he was walking and journeying about a throws way, whatever the case may be. But here we see that this was a usual that he would go to the garden. And what do you think he was doing in the garden? Just looking at the beautiful flowers? Well, probably, because I like looking at the beautiful flowers as well. But he was praying. He was in a place of prayer. And so here we see that it says, uh, there he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed, and he said this, Father, if you are willing please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. This is where we see an example of a prayer that Jesus prayed to consecrate himself to do the will of the Father. And what did he say? Then an angel, listen to this, then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. An angel came and ministered to him. And he prayed even more, here's that word, fervently, earnestly, heartfelt, you know. Here he prayed even more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Now I know not one person in here has prayed that hard before, that we prayed drops of blood. But here's an example of consecration, dedication, submitted to the purpose and plan of God to his life and saying, it's not my will, but it's your will that I'm going to accomplish. And so what do we know here? We see that he had to go pray. He had to go pray to know that he would do what his father needed him to do. And he needed that strength to be able to do what it was that he was getting ready to suffer. So he was crucified on our behalf, right? To do the father's will and the plan for his life. And that's the same thing. He had to crucify his flesh and there are things that God the Father will be asking us to do. To where we're going to have to be submitted and we're going to have to crucify our flesh. We're going to have to consecrate ourselves to be able to get the job done. Amen. Amen. Whatever it is that he's asking you to do, so it takes submission. Amen. And consecration and dedication. Hallelujah. Now let's, I have time maybe for one more type of prayer uh, that we see here uh, under the prayer of, I want to get to this one, the prayer of agreement, the prayer of of agreement. You know, I said this last week that as we see, there are different types of prayer that have been mentioned in the scripture. And so what we've seen through the years of ministry is that everybody just kind of just Uh, throws all these prayers out there, like, and it's shaken all together and just like thrown out there, thinking that God's gonna do it somehow. And prayer has principles. Prayer has principles. Prayer has laws. Prayer has what we call rules. There's rules to prayer that we see in scripture. And so we said this last week that you cannot play football with baseball rules. So when we're talking about and, and, and deciphering the teaching of God's word to show you different types of prayer is because there's different principles that you need in different situations in your life. Right? Because not every day are you gonna be a person that has to pray the prayer of consecration. You shouldn't be. Oh, I'm praying God that I'll just live for you today. That should not be your prayer. Right? Um, And so a prayer of consecration is really uh, just as we see when there's a plan and there's a purpose that God's asking you to do that you say, okay, it's not going to be my will. You know what? Maybe you had planned that you, like some of these seniors, maybe they think they have a plan for their life or their parents have a plan for their life. That when they graduate, they're going to go to college, they're going to do this, they're going to become this. But listen, if we have not taught our children that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and what he wants us to do with his life, with our life first, then we are misguiding them. Right, And so the Holy Spirit may speak to this teenager or this young adult that's been raised in church and say, I don't want you to go to nursing school. I've called you to the children in the orphanage in Timbuktu. What are you going to do about that? Sometimes people aren't even consecrating themselves because of the plans other people have for their lives. But... So that person now, if they're going to want to follow the plan of God for their life, they're going to have to not think about what mama wants them to do or daddy wants them to do. And are they going to obey their Lord that they will stand before and give an account of their life for? And they're going to have to say, I'm going to dedicate and consecrate, right? And make a commitment to do your will for my life, father, and not the will of my mom or my dad. So, there's going to take some dedication, submission, and consecration to that, right? And so, that's the time that they would pray that. Now, the prayer of agreement. This prayer of agreement is very important. This is a type of prayer that we see that is very important to be in agreement with the Word of God first. So whatever the word of God is saying, you're in agreement with that. So be it. Yes, I believe it. God, you said it. I believe it. Whether it be healing for my body, whether it be provision, whatever it may be, prayer of agreement. I'm in agreement with your word, Lord, that you said that by your stripes, I am healed. And so these symptoms in my body, they have to go. So what would I do? Do I want someone else? If I already know what the will of God is for my life, if I already know that God wants me to be healed, if I already know how to access healing for myself, then do I have to go to someone else and say, pray that I'm healed? No, I would want to go to someone else and say, get in agreement with my faith. Now, that person that you want in agreement with your faith, best be in a position of faith. And know what the word says concerning healing because there's plenty of people that don't believe in healing for today and that it's your right as a believer because of the stripes that he took on his back the day he prayed and suffered for us, right? So that's when we would then go and ask someone to get an agreement with us concerning whatever it is that we need. Now look at Matthew. This is our last scripture And we'll close so that you can go out and get wet. Matthew 18, 18 and 20. It said, assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This goes back to our authority. Verse 19, and again, I say to you that if two of you on earth concerning anything that they may ask, it will be done for them Uh, by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So, if you don't have anybody to get in agreement with you, you get in agreement with the Word, and then you get in agreement with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you have full agreement that whatever He says, that is so. Right? But... If you don't have that, uh, you know, anyone else, you may want to go to your friend that believes the way you believe and say, Hey, get an agreement with me that when I go to the doctor, whatever the case may be, right? Or get an agreement with me. I believe God that my house is sold. Get an agreement with me that we're going to sell it and, and get what we want for it. And da 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 da, right? Because it's God's will. Whatever the case may be. And so that's where you would come in agreement. You wouldn't have, if you've already prayed and asked God uh, for your house to sell and asked him for a certain amount, you don't have to go to anyone else and ask them and pray it over again. You're getting in agreement so that their faith can unite with your faith. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So there's so many people that are praying and having people pray about things that you've already prayed and believed for, and you don't need them to pray again for that situation. You need them to just get in agreement with your faith and put their faith with you. And this is where we see a prayer of agreement. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I hope this has helped, uh, you know, spur you on a little bit more in realizing that there's a lot to say about prayer many scriptures about talking about different types of prayer and that it would just simply spur you on to simply talk with the Lord every day in the cool of the day, wherever that may be. Wherever that may be in your life, where is it that you meet with God and talk with him? Right? Then it's so important that you make that happen Do not get caught up in the busyness of this world and the cares of this world uh, and, and and the things, the riches and the deceitfulness of this world to choke the Word of God out of you, to choke the time that you're spending with God out of you that is gonna choke you out because you're simply not taking the time to be in the Word, abiding in the vine, and then talking with the Lord so that he says he would direct your steps. He cannot direct you if you are not taking communication, right, directions from him. You have to have an ear to what he is saying to you to get the communication. And if you're not stopping long enough to hear, we're gonna miss it. We're going to miss it. We're going to get off the right path. We're going to get into the wrong places, doing the wrong things at the wrong time. Instead of being at the right place, the right time, doing the right thing. Come on. And that's where we want to be.